in Georgia at the Fulton County Jail and over at the courthouse. Multiple co-defendants of Donald Trump surrendering on election subversion charges or securing bond agreements. This comes amid new legal maneuvers by prominent Trump co-defendants, including the former White House Chief of Staff, Mark Meadows. CNN's Paula Reed is outside the courthouse in Atlanta for us. Paula, you have some breaking news involving another key co-defendant. We're talking about Rudy Giuliani. Tell our viewers what you're learning tonight. Well, if we have learned that Rudy Giuliani still does not have an attorney licensed in the state of Georgia to help him with this case. Now, of course, Giuliani, the former mayor, former U.S. attorney, is facing seven-figure legal debt, which has made it difficult for him to find and retain people willing to represent him. We've also learned that Bernie Carrick, the former New York police commissioner and an unindicted co-conspirator in this Fulton County case, is working with Giuliani very closely to help him through this initial stage, uh, the surrender part of this case. Now, we're told that Carrick is using his contacts to try to help find Giuliani a lawyer here in the state of Georgia. He needs a lawyer wolf to sign any potential bond agreement, and that lawyer has to be licensed in the state of Georgia. But so far, we're hearing that Giuliani does not yet have an attorney here in Fulton County. And amidst all of this, Paula, the former White House Chief of Staff, Mark Meadows, is now making moves to try to avoid surrendering in Fulton County. Tell us about that. That's exactly right, Wolf, because as you know, Mark Meadows wants to move this entire case to federal court where he hopes it will be dismissed. Now, there's a hearing on that move on Monday, and Meadows' lawyers asked if he could push back this Friday deadline for surrender in the state case until after a hearing on this move to move it to federal court. The district attorney was not open to that, so now Meadows is asking a federal court to intervene. Now, we're also waiting for mugshots that are going to be released any minute from the two defendants who have actually surrendered at the Fulton County Sheriff's Office today. John Eastman and Scott Hall, we're seeing them. Uh, they actually surrendered today. Paula, stand by. We're going to get back to you in just a moment. Uh, I want to bring in uh, some other uh, of our experts on the Georgia case, uh, and we'll discuss that as well. Um, Ellie, let me start with you. Trump isn't uh, paying Giuliani's legals, legal bills, and he doesn't currently have an attorney in Georgia because of his financial situation. We're talking about Rudy Giuliani. What's your reaction to this? Well, well Ru Rudy Giuliani has had more than enough time already to go out and get himself an attorney. This indictment was announced eight days ago, so that's been plenty of time for him to go and get a lawyer. If, in fact, Rudy Giuliani cannot afford counsel, genuinely, like anyone else, he can have a public defender appointed. And I don't say that to be glib or to be dismissive. Public defenders are outstanding at what they do. And so eventually Rudy Giuliani has to have a lawyer one way or another. If he can pay for it, he's got to go get one. And if he can't, then he can ask the court to appoint one for him. And Shan, what do you make of uh, Bernie Carrick's involvement with Giuliani in, in all of this? Carrick's an unindicted co-conspirator in this case, as well as a convicted felon. Um, it's very odd for someone in that position uh, in terms of being the unindicted co-conspirator to be involved in it uh, in this matter. I mean, the fact that he has a prior conviction, I don't think that matters so much. But it presents a very odd uh, set of conflicts going on for him to be uh, advising and helping Giuliani in this situation. And, and frankly, to follow up on uh, Ellie's point there, it, it really seems more like a delay tactic to me for Giuliani. I mean, he maybe he's having some money problems, but the idea that the former mayor of New York, former number three at Justice, cannot find a lawyer in Georgia uh, seems hard to believe.
That's extraordinary indeed. Tia, does Trump not paying his legal bills uh, for his co-defendants make them more likely to testify against him? What are you learning? What are you hearing over there? Yeah, there's a lot of speculation on that, that, you know, there are a lot of people who may feel that Trump not supporting them in this hour when they're all facing charges is a sign that perhaps their loyalty is misguided and that might change their approach to these charges. But right now, that's just speculation. For example, we've been talking about Rudy Giuliani. There's been a lot of speculation that he doesn't have the money to pay for a lawyer, that Trump is not helping him financially. But so far, we don't have any indication whether Trump and Rudy Giuliani's um, relationship has soured to the point where Giuliani would turn on Trump. Um, I think there are a lot of people who want to see former President Trump held accountable, who are hoping these former allies and insiders do decide to kind of work with the prosecution, um, perhaps take a deal. Um, and maybe and maybe there will be some who do so, again, in a very similar RICO case involving kind of a gang slash rap conglomerate, the YSL case in Fulton County. That's exactly what happened. A lot of the co-defendants that were brought in as part of this RICO case did take deals. Um, it remains to be seen if that happens for this Trump case. We shall see. Uh, Ellie, uh, Mark Meadows, the Trump White House chief of staff, as you know, he has filed this emergency order, as he calls it, to block his arrest and have his case moved to federal court. How likely is this to be successful? I'd call this one very unlikely. So Mark Meadows does have the right to ask the federal court to take his case. He put in that motion a few days ago, and that's in the process of being heard. Where I think he's overreaching is in asking the federal court to come in and block him from ever having to surrender, from having to surrender by the deadline in the state court. I think that's premature, and I think he's asking the federal court to go too far there. So he does have the right to make this motion, to ask the federal court eventually to take his case, but that's got to play out. That'll take a few weeks to play out, and I don't think he has much of a chance for this emergency motion that he's just about to file. Interesting. Paula, let me get back to you. Just hours after his bond agreement, uh, in which he was ordered not to intimidate witnesses, uh, co-defendants or otherwise obstruct the administration of justice. Trump slammed the Fulton County DA once again on social media. Is this a violation of the order? It's an open question, Wolf. If you read the order closely, uh, he is barred from threatening defendants, witnesses, a few other categories, including co-defendants and the community generally, but it does not specifically prohibit him uh, from saying anything. Uh, about the district attorney. And this, in some ways, uh, is a free speech issue. He can criticize her, right? He's not directly threatening her, though we do know that there could be ramifications and other people who see him criticizing her as a, a call to action. So this appears uh, to not be a violation of his bond restrictions, but we'll see if there's any escalation going forward. We shall see. Shan, let me get your legal analysis. Who can enforce this, uh, what's called this consent bond order for Trump, and how are they going to decide what crosses the line? Well, it's the court that would enforce it, uh, and usually the prosecutor might bring the motion to the court saying his bond release conditions have been violated and you know they'd ask for a sanction, whether it's home monitoring or whether actually to put him in jail. How to decide it, um, as Paul was saying, may be a little bit of an open question here. I do think one of the provisions is particularly dangerous for Trump 
that says he can't directly or indirectly try to communicate with witnesses. One could certainly make the argument that this type of criticism, talking about the prosecutor or the judge eventually, is a way of communicating to the witnesses points to make for them, and I think that is dangerous. They have to bring that before the judge, and ultimately it's going to be a discretionary call for the judge whether they believe this crosses the line or not. But they certainly put forth a broad swath of prohibitions for him, and uh, given the fact that he tends to have a hard time controlling his expressions, I think he is in some jeopardy there of running afoul of those. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, Paula, the former Trump attorney and co-defendant John Eastman said he had no regrets after being booked and released er earlier today. What else did he say? That's right. John Eastman was one of two people who surrendered and went through that process today. And then he was willing to speak to reporters briefly. Let's take a listen to what he said. I'm here today to surrender to an indictment that should never have been brought. It targets attorneys for their zealous advocacy on behalf of their clients, something attorneys are ethically bound to provide, and which was attempted here by formally challenging the results of the election through lawful and appropriate means. Do you still think the election was stolen? Absolutely. Well, that's going to be his defense. I mean, his lawyer uh, has been pretty consistent publicly saying that he believes that he was working as a lawyer, uh, aggressively pursuing uh, his client's best interest by trying to look for any evidence of election fraud. Of course, he has been charged uh, in a conspiracy to overturn the election, but his remarks right there are very consistent with what his attorneys have said publicly about why they believe he will not ultimately be convicted. Interesting. Ellie, what do you make of this argument from Eastman that he was, quote, ethically bound to advocate for Trump as his attorney? Well, Wolf, I think this is a preview of the trial defense that we'll see from not only John Eastman, but there are eight different lawyers charged in this case. And I think all or many of them are going to make some variation of this argument. They're going to argue that they had not just the right, but the duty as a lawyer to zealously advocate for their clients. And as a lawyer, you are allowed to make aggressive arguments, creative arguments, even bad arguments. That's not necessarily a crime. Of course, the response from the prosecutors here is going to be, but you crossed the line. You went beyond just being an aggressive advocate. You were in on a plot here to steal this election. That's going to be closely contested at trial, I think, when, when you look at all the factors. It's not an easy case for prosecutors, and it's not a ridiculous defense by John Eastman. That'll be a question for the jury.